0: And welcome to Legally Bond, a podcast presented by the law firm Bond-Shenik King. I'm your host, Kim Wolf price Today, we're talking with Kristen Smith, a member in our Syracuse office. Kristen practices in the labor department, assisting management side clients with a variety of employment-related business needs. Hello, Kristen. Excited to see you here. Thanks for joining the podcast.
1: You're welcome. It's good to be here, Kim.
0: Thank you. All right. So there's many topics we could cover today. And if you're okay with it, I'd like to highlight your background and of course your law practice, as well as your prior career in HR, your recent experience in government, and then kind of discuss how that all comes together in your work now. Does that work for you? Works for me. All right. Terrific. All right. Before we get too far into legal practice topics, would you please tell us a little bit about your background, where you go to school, undergrad, whatever you'd like to talk about?
1: Sure. I went to the School of Industrial and Labor Relations at Cornell University. And after that, I actually worked for a while. And we might get into this later. But, you know, I actually had an opportunity after ILR to work for a large corporation in labor relations, interestingly, (laughs) looking at where (laughs) I am now. I turned that down to follow my boyfriend to Chicago to work. And then I went to law school at Syracuse University College of Law. Very good. All right. And
0: anything else where are you from?
1: I'm from Syracuse, where I live now. I live, if you know Syracuse, I live in the Tipperary Hill neighborhood. That's where I grew up, and that's where I ended up again in my adulthood.
0: That's awesome.
1: And how did you get to Bond? So when I was at SU College of Law, in our first year, they had a mentor program. And I was lucky enough to be paired with a senior partner in the labor practice at Bond. And, you know, as part of that mentoring program, he invited me to come to Bond to meet with him. And so that was sort of the first connection. It was really fortuitous. I mean, it was just almost a a coincidence, I think, with my labor background, you know, at ILR and working before law school. So that was a connection. And then it's almost a little vague at this point. But through that conversation, I ended up getting an offer to come not as an official summer associate, but as a a first year, and actually, they called me uh, paralegal. I, I don't remember. It was it was not a formal program, but I actually worked at Bond my first summer, mm-hmm. and then came back for my second summer through the formal program, and then was hired after law school. So it was it was great. It was really that that mentoring program at SU College of yeah. Law really sent me on my path.
0: It is kind of funny how those things happen sometimes, right? Like you meet someone along the way that really helps form parts of your your whole professional sort of trajectory.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I actually remember parts of that meeting really clearly. Now that I think about it, I had no idea what bond was. Right. I I didn't know that they had this huge labor practice. And I came downtown and I met with this guy and he starts talking. And again, remember, I went to the school of industrial and labor relations. I studied labor relations in college. Right. I studied employment discrimination law in college. And I'm talking to this guy and he, and I'm like, wow, I could actually do that work here in Syracuse. Like, I was amazed. You know, I really didn't even consider that. I didn't go into law school planning to be a labor lawyer. And then this opportunity plops right in front of me, first semester of first year, it you know, it starts to make you believe in fate and things like that.
0: Exactly. But it's also taking advantage of resources and opportunities, right? Like not everybody in your first year class probably engaged with the mentor program and got a mentor and then followed up and you, you took advantage of all of those opportunities.
1: That's true. That's true. And I and I, and I and I now when I talk to law students, I always tell them the importance of that. And I always tell them when you meet someone who's a lawyer and they say, hey, stay in touch, do it, do it. They mean it. And I'll tell you what, most people don't. I wish they would. I enjoy those conversations.
0: I know. I try to explain that, too. Like, we actually, like, lawyers like talking to law students.
1: Mm -hmm. Like
0: what? And if they give you their information, you're not bothering them. Correct. (laughs) Uh, Well, thanks for giving us that background. I actually, I don't think I knew that, that that was the mentor program that kind of led you here. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I do remember your tour of the law school because I was a, a 3L, and I was giving tours when I was a
1: student. <laughs> I remember. Yes. I remember. And again, I, I can visualize that room we were in in Isn't Grant it? Hall, right? Wasn't there? Yes. Wasn't there right? Yep. And I remember the tables and the lunch. And I yeah, you you made an impression with me, Kim. <laughs> you, you well, it's the that, same. That's, right now. that's
0: the same. All right. So before law school, you did have a career. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then how did that lead you to law school?
1: Sure. I previewed that a little bit already, got ahead of myself. Yeah. but oh. um, So went to ILR and thought about law school. A huge portion of people in that program go to law school. And so that was the thing to do. And I really did enjoy my law classes in that major, but I was so done with school. I was like, I just can't really imagine taking an exam to get into law school and then doing three more years. So I decided to work. I said, I interviewed in the traditional career areas of an ILR graduate and I got this offer to go work in labor relations and then decided I'd rather move to Chicago where my boyfriend was going to be going to podiatry school and he's now my husband. So it was a good decision, but um, then, so we're in the nineties now, I graduated in 96 and it's I literally remember looking at the newspaper at the you know little square ads for jobs, because that's yes. how I, at that point I was doing it. I was trying to do like the Cornell network, but I was out in the Midwest. So, it, you know, it was not as huge a network there and answered an ad in the, the Sunday newspaper for a technical recruiter with this tiny firm. So it was the tech boom. And so, you know, there was tons of high tech Companies in Chicago and a whole industry of recruiters going out to find tech talent, even though I knew nothing about any of the technology. And I worked on commission, which is interesting. So I worked on commission trying to find these tech people and place them into tech jobs. And I learned a lot, learned a ton. It's kind of a sales job, but involving people. And so that's really what I, that was my career before law school in various ways. I started doing it on a commission basis, ended up moving in house to a couple different places. Commonwealth Edison, which is the public utility there. Then I moved to Massachusetts for my husband's residency, where I worked for 3Com, which at the time was famous for making Palm Pilots.
0: Oh um,
1: yes. Yep. I had a Palm Pilot. And then <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing that I was working at the company that made the Palm of Pilot. Course. Yeah. And then I moved over to Bose Corporation, which I thought was also very cool. And that actually was one of the most interesting places because the, the degree of talent of the engineers at that firm are unbelievable. And I worked in the R&D center hiring engineers to make those products. Super, super interesting. Then I was, when I was there, how did I end up at law school? It was time to move back to Syracuse, again, following my husband. And we decided we want to be closer back to home. And I didn't think my career that had become kind of specialized would translate in central New York, although looking back, I was probably wrong but i thought you know i'm interviewing i'm interviewing all these really cool people who are so good at something like they're they're a subject matter expert on a thing that they're good at and i like so am inspired by these people and i knew it wasn't going to be technical for me so i thought about well what can i do instead of finding people and putting them in cool jobs i want a cool job so that's how i was like i could be a lawyer <laughs> so i applied to syracuse only because i knew i wanted to be in syracuse i was tempted to apply to cornell but didn't really want to drive an hour um, every day, yes, so right. applied to Syracuse. Got a wonderful fellowship there that made it financially attractive as well, and so I took advantage of it and changed careers. In my, I think I was around twenty eight, so late twenties.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, you know, it's kind of funny all these full circles. Like Bose is a client of this law firm. Like you know how all these pieces kind of
1: like mm-hmm. back right. In. So when Jeremy started. Uh, maybe when he joined the firm or when I realized that Bose was a client, I reached out to him and I said, just so you know, I used to work in that building. I don't know if it ever comes in handy. I don't know, but I love Bose.
0: It's really cool. I think that's Mm -hmm. it's really cool. And I think when people think of going back to law school, they think like, oh, a year after you graduate or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's I also took like that much time off and went back. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it was a great experience. So people Mm -hmm. shouldn't think like, oh, it's been too many years now. Mm -hmm. They should definitely go back.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I felt old at the time, right? As a law oh, sure. student, 28. Yeah. I was married. I owned a house. I didn't have any kids, but I felt old. Um, I remember turning 30 in law school and they ended like, how
0: are you even functioning? they were <laughs> looking for my AARP card, I think. Like, mm-hmm. It was definitely, but it all worked out. I'm some great friends from there. For sure. All right. So then you came back to Syracuse Law. You summered here at Bond mm-hmm. and then joined the firm after graduation. So, do you think? I mean, you, you touched on this a little bit, but it really seems like your ILR, your at Cornell, that schooling and then the experience with professional placement kind of led you to this labor practice in a variety of different ways. Like, so it's not just the undergrad degree, but then the work you were doing in some ways also kind of played into it, don't you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely this through line with the workplace with me, right? Yeah. I've just, Always been fascinated by it for some reason. I think it's where we spend most of our time. And it it has such a huge variety of issues. I think about, you know, why why this fascinates me. And it's just because, you know, we say it at the office all the time, like, you can't make this up. Like, you know, the the fact patterns that we encounter are always, always varied. And there's just such the human element that I enjoy. You know, even though I was in a sort of a niche, like a recruiter, I was dealing with people all the time. Like, why people do the things they do. What makes them tick? It, it's it all It's all the same.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, will this person fit in this environment with some of right. what you're doing, too? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So you're practicing for a few years here at Bond in mm-hmm. our labor department. And then again, stars sort of aligning for you. You get asked about serving the city you grew up in, Syracuse, New York, as the city attorney. Can you talk about
1: that a little bit? Yeah, it was more than a few years, (laughs) Um, you know, so I think it was a dozen years at Bond. I'm just trying to make us see that. It was a moment ago I gave you that tour, I think. It was moments ago. Yeah, yeah. So after a dozen years at Bond and various parental leaves (laughs) along the way, um, not that that really plays into it, but I did get this opportunity and I put myself out there, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm just a huge cheerleader for the city of Syracuse. I think it's a great place to live. I think it has a lot to offer. But I think it has its challenges like any city. And so I wanted to be able to help. I would drive around the city and be like, oh, I see a problem I wish I wish I wish the government could fix. And so, you know, then we had this new mayor, Ben Walsh elected, who was highly inspirational, young, energetic, nonpartisan. I was like, I want to be part of that. So, you know, I did reach out after some encouragement from people who worked in city government. It's a long, kind of a long story, but it it just, it did work out. And I struggled with the decision because after a dozen years at Bonds, I had found my groove, right? So I'd made partner. I had established a good practice. I finally started to feel like I knew what I was doing. You know, we know that in those first few years of legal practice, that's not exactly how you feel. So I finally get there, right? And then I'm going to leave. And it seemed insane. There's history there at Bond, actually. You might not know this, but there was another attorney, another Bond attorney who served as Syracuse's corporation counsel a number of years ago, decades ago. It used to be more of a tradition that the Syracuse firms would would provide an attorney to serve as corporation okay. counsel. Um, maybe not formally, but it just kind of worked that way. And it hasn't been that way lately. But anyway, so I remember that gentleman and his name is escaping me right now, but he happened to be in the office for some reason. And he found out that I was going to be going and doing this. And it was just an an incredible conversation, right? He was like so thrilled to know that a new generation of bond attorneys, you know, someone was going to do this. But anyway, so I struggled with the decision, but, you know, I I took a leap of faith that a labor lawyer from bond could figure out how to be the corporation counsel and figure out all the legal issues. But then I realized nobody's, it's not a one-person job with with a city the size of Syracuse. Um, It's a team. And so I thought... I could bring sort of the basic skill set that I could, that I had to, to to bear. And I'm glad I did. That's fantastic.
0: And, and also, public service is kind of in your DNA, yeah. a little
1: bit, isn't it? Yeah. My father was a Syracuse firefighter for his whole career. My brother is a, currently a Syracuse firefighter. My other brother is a retired Syracuse police officer. Yeah. <laughs> and my sister is retired military. So, yeah, certainly.
0: Yeah. So then you got your got your uh by the bet service yeah. apple there for a little bit. So how did the firm react?
1: Amazing. Like they were so gracious. I remember going to talk to Kevin Bernstein, who was managing partner even then, and he reacted like a proud parent. He thought it was tremendous. He was so happy for me. He was happy for the firm. He thought it was good for all of us. He made it clear from the moment I mentioned it that I was always welcome, and that conversation really made a strong impression on me. And if I didn't feel such love and loyalty for Bond before I left, that cemented it. It was just so professional and so kind that I could never ask for anything better. Everyone else was the same as well. Everyone was so encouraging. I'd like to think they hoped I would come back, and 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 I did. So, I think that was definitely it. Everyone was like, and then she'll come back. Yeah. And that's, and that's how I framed it. I'm like, I'll be back. Don't worry. This yeah. is just something it's, you know, there's term limits in Syracuse. Some of right. those listening might not know that in the city of Syracuse, a mayor can only serve two terms, two four-year terms. So I knew that at most this was an eight-year gig. Right. Right. So what did it mean to you to serve the city where you grew up, the city you love in this way? I mean, it was great it was magical walking through the doors of city hall at first as you do something every day for four years, you know, it doesn't feel like so magical, but you know, just those first few times walking through those doors, if anyone has ever seen Syracuse city hall, it's a castle, it's this beautiful, gorgeous old looking building. And so it it feels that way. And just to be in the mix right so every, you know any issue that faced the city that's on the front page of the paper or that never never finds the light of day but that's you know you're 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 in there and you're you're dealing with it in a very direct basis and you know giving important advice or finding someone who can give that advice and so it meant a lot to me to be able to do that and i feel like that sort of public service is so important we all rely on our government to keep us safe to keep the roads paved, to help us have a quality of life no matter where we live, and no more so than local government. And it's tough for local governments to, I mean, they're complex, multi-million dollar organizations that need people with professional knowledge and skills to help them run it. And if no one is willing to step up and do that, we can't complain about it. You know, it meant a lot to me to be able to do that. And I worked alongside people who all had that same philosophy. It was really so inspirational because I saw it all around the table and I loved it for that reason. And I'm so glad I did it. And I'm I'm happy to see that there's other people behind me who are willing to do it. I'll be honest, more people I wish would, you know, really? I wish people didn't look at government, especially local government jobs as less important because they absolutely are not less important. And they might not pay as well. I mean, that's the reality, uh, and it's it's not because the work's not important. It's because nobody wants to pay taxes, right? Exactly, taxes. <laughs> you would have know,
0: money. exactly.
1: <laughs> so the money's just not there. And I would love law schools to to emphasize that. Maybe they do. Yeah. And I will always be an evangelist for that idea of even just giving part of your career. You don't have to go work for the government your whole career, right? Great experience at any stage, whether it's right out of. School, but even more so, they need people later in their career who can bring um, knowledge and expertise from the private sector. You know, so there's yeah. some cross pollination. If you have people who come into government and spend their whole career in government, and then people who go into private sector and spend their whole career, and there's no crossover, there's no there's no learning there. Yeah, exactly. And I have to
0: say, visiting you in your office when you were at City Hall was really fun. You could see your excitement Mm -hmm. um, for the role and that you brought that like pride and bond with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I could tell that like, yeah, she's going to come back. She's Mm -hmm. really enjoying this stint here in, uh, in government. And you're right. That back and forth, while it happens in places like D.C. with federal government, it doesn't happen in other places as easily with local government. And it would really be good for the economy, for, every, for everything, if that did
1: happen, I think. Certainly local government, you, you just you don't see it as much. You, you yeah. just don't. And I think the Walsh administration was special in that regard. I think he was able to bring in people from, you know, various organizations locally who had done some really big things and really had some really great expertise and build a team. And I think that's why we're seeing some really great things happening in Syracuse. Yeah, I think so. Do another episode about that.
0: Yes, I think so. We should do a few episodes about the great things happening in here in central New York and Syracuse. So, you were, like what you did fits that bond culture of being engaged in our communities and giving back. You just took it to a more immersive level than a lot of the <laughs> the attorneys do. So you went from being a management side attorney to being effectively in-house counsel for city government. How is that city attorney, or, you know, likening it to a general counsel? How is that role different from being in a practice, a focused practice at a law firm?
1: I think you just used the word focused. Is that right? Yes. That's that's the answer. That's the answer right there. When I'm at Bond, I, you know, am able to spend the time it takes to really focus on an issue and go in the depth that it needs. And really, I spend time on things, you know, and uh, as as a city attorney or in-house counsel in the role I was in, it was more a, a wider variety of issues, but not the depth. So I would either, if something needed depth, I would pass it along to someone else who had the time to do that, or I would just have to move a little bit more quickly on whatever it was. So it's just because of the speed of things happening and the volume and the wide variety of issues, you don't have the luxury of spending five hours researching an issue. At least I didn't. And so I really wasn't doing that really deep, deep focused work. It was really much more dispersed. And I sometimes felt like I was setting the table, rearranging the table or whatever the um, the metaphor is, you know, moving right. the pieces on the chessboard, just making sure people were in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time and making sure I had the right people working on the right projects because the law department had a whole legal staff and then we had a, a bunch of outside counsel. So it was really making sure, checking in, making sure each area was doing what they needed to do and then offering support, Right. You know, if there was a, a tricky issue, people would bounce things off of me. But it wasn't me being like, oh, "Okay, I'll go research that and write you a memo." You know, right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you
0: were trying to use all of your resources in the right way and effectively put them where they needed to be to get the job done. Mm-hmm. It's it sounds so, and it could be anything, right? It could, I I just think about it. I'm sure you didn't get the everyday zoning issues, but all everything from something like that to labor negotiations to a really hot, conflicting, hot button issue, all of that would fall under your umbrella in some way, or Mm -hmm. the people who worked on your team.
1: I I mean, it was from, so quote, enforcement was a huge issue when I was there, trying to turn the heat up from a legal perspective on property owners who weren't doing the right thing, Yeah, some bad actors who were doing damage to our neighborhoods, to they were trying to pass a whole new zoning ordinance when I was there. It's still pending. I think it might actually get implemented this year, but, you know, sitting in with our zoning experts and going through the hundreds of pages of the new zoning ordinance as a not, and I was not a zoning lawyer, but trying to work with our outside counsel on that to, you know, all the litigation that happened was whether it was, you know, civil rights or slip and falls to, Boil, you know p- people making public information requests and like what are the legal issues around that and you know so all in a given day so that was just one day
0: yes <laughs> that was just a random Tuesday but subscribe
1: <laughs> yeah you know meanwhile you know every piece of legislation that gets written and passed in government comes through the, the you know the corporation council's office and you have to you need an ordinance to like buy anything. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I was I was like, wait, there's 900 ordinances a year? Do they really pass that many laws in a year? And but that's because you need that's how a gov- local government operates. You need yeah. legislative authorization for almost everything you do that involves money.
0: Yeah, and I do think that with technology and so many things are changing so quickly, that's probably another reason that there's so many ordinances, right? Like who would have thought that Syracuse, New York would have to think about debt data- Privacy 10 years ago, in mm, the way yeah. that you have to think about it now. You know, things mm-hmm. just move so quickly. That-
1: yeah, that was actually a project that took place when I was there. There was a concern among the community about surveillance technology, right? It's the government yes. watching us. So Mayor Walsh instituted an executive order that said any part of the government that wants to institute any new technology that might be considered surveillance technology has to go through a review process, you put together a committee. And the the committee would determine if this was something that the city wanted to to address. And there was an opportunity for the public to know about it before it even got to the end stage. Because the problem was it would get all the way to, okay, Common Council, please approve this contract. And it was too late in some ways at that point. So, yeah, data privacy and that sort of area of the law was uh, a big one at the time. Yeah. Also, we gave you a pandemic in the middle. The (laughs) universe also gave
0: you a pandemic. So, you know, some little things to deal with in the middle of being the uh, city attorney.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about that too. So it was all the way from like, okay, can we furlough people? What are we going to do with the unions? That was the big thing is the workforce. And then, but on top of that, hey, we've got businesses in the city that aren't supposed to be operating under the governor's executive order. How do we enforce it? So we put together a whole process that yeah. you know, we had to think about the constitution and due process of how we would ticket these people and how we would give them due process and then how we would enforce. Lord knows we were just completely making that up. That yeah, the now, whole world with, was. <laughs> with with, with, with base, you know, obviously with uh, you know, the, the constitution as our guy, yeah. essentially, but yeah. Just to add a little, we wanted it, I think that the universe
0: wanted to make sure you had the full range of experiences mm-hmm. in your time. So you yeah, got that thrown as well. So now you're back in private practice, which was always part of the plan, mm-hmm. representing private businesses, publicly held businesses and municipalities. How does your experience having been in that general counsel, city attorney type role enhance your practice as an outside counsel?
1: I think I'm able to think about issues more holistically because, you know, sometimes if you just go straight to law school and then you just start practicing law and it's all about what does the law say and that's your answer. But I think I developed a greater recognition for all the other factors at play. And, you know, in a way that would enable me to give advice that took those things into account. Right. I didn't want, so I'm not giving advice that's like, yeah, that's great. That's what the books say, but that's just like, that's not workable in this organization. And so I think that I understand that more. Especially in government, you know, so especially when I'm dealing with municipal clients, there's a whole extra set of considerations.
0: Right, because there's all the citizens, right? And there's all the other issues that come into play. And then public perception is much more right at the surface, I think, than for privately held businesses, right? Like people are paying attention in a different way.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So I'm going to just say this, there's that myth in law school that, oh, work at a firm and then... Go in-house, it's so much less stressful. It doesn't appear to be the case in the real world. So what do you appreciate now about that in-house <laughs> perspective?
1: I can't tell you how many people I had say to me when it was announced that I'd be going to the city, Oh, that's going to be so good for you. You'll have better work-life balance. You know, you got the kids. <laughs> Couldn't have been farther from the truth. I'm laughing because that's definitely a- people definitely said that. A lot of people. And it wasn't true because it is hard work. It isn't government lawyers are some of the hardest working lawyers, at least in my, and I got to think it's the same. It's not just the city of Syracuse, you know, so you have limited resources and you've got to figure it out. You know, you've got, I just described that crazy range of issues and that was just, you know, a real small portion of it. And so, and it wasn't just me. So it's this whole team. We had about, you know, range from 16, 17, 18 lawyers, but you really just have to figure it out. And, you know, that takes a lot of work and you're also doing it in the public eye. And so you have that added layer of consideration at all times. And, you know, so it's just, it's a lot of work. And the person who's in the job now is corporation counsel. I tried to warn her. (laughs) She's like, you weren't kidding. (laughs) It really is incredible. You could spend endless time here and not feel like you get everything done. So it's, it's rewarding 100%, but it's not a place to go because you just don't want to work very hard, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And from everyone I know, who not only works the city of Syracuse, but other folks. I have a friend who's in the, the law department in New York City and, and other places. And it's it's hard work. Yeah. In a good way. When we yes. say hard work, we don't mean that as a negative, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. It's hard work. It's a it's there's always something else that could be done.
1: Yes. It's fun work.
0: So you saw, I'm sure, labor and employment issues there, and then torts and property and other things like we talked about. What types of matters are you working on since um, you came back to the firm? Is it
1: almost a year, almost a year ago? April. April, yeah. Almost a year. So in a lot of ways, I fell back into what I was doing before. So a variety of issues for employers, whether it's, you know, discrimination matters, you know, before the Division of Human Rights, I do have some employment discrimination litigation that I'm handling which I did before I left. I didn't really have time. I thought I'd be able to handle cases at the city, but I quickly realized I couldn't handle full federal court litigation matters. I have been doing a lot of investigations, which has been really great. I like doing investigations. I was thinking about how I would summarize up some of the matters. And, you know, for example, drawing on my corporate counsel experience, um, there was a, a municipality that asked me to do a pretty big investigation. That didn't involve a labor, labor issue at all. It actually involved an ethical issue. But, you know, my my municipal background was, they thought, valuable for that. Right. And, you know, I've done more traditional sort of workplace investigations. But then I'm also representing municipalities when they are being investigated by another government body, say the state attorney general. Right. I have a matter where I'm sort of on the other side of the investigation. Um. So I, I really enjoy that. So a little bit of litigation, some investigation stuff, you know, general day-to-day counseling. I just did a webinar yesterday nice. about sexual harassment and a new model policy from the state. So I did that yesterday. Been staying busy back, you know, but it, it feels like riding a bike. I didn't, I wasn't able to deal with a lot of these issues in depth when I was at the city just due to time constraints. So it, it but it came right back.
0: That's fantastic. Well, so any advice you'd give someone
1: considering taking that detour from firm practice to to public service and government work? I'm sure you would not be surprised to know that I would encourage it. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I don't know what the downside would be, really. I mean, you learn more, you meet more people, you broaden your practice. If you have a practice that you can transition to others and then come back, why not give it a try? The benefit of a place like Bond is that we have such a deep bench that right. the work that I was doing was able to be pretty easily absorbed when I left. The nice thing about the job I took is that it was it was easy for me to say, I'll be back because there was a definite ending point. Right. It's a little harder when you take an open-ended job somewhere. <laughs> like, shh, I'll be back. Don't, don't tell my new employer. You know, <laughs> <You're kidding>. so <laughs> that's a tricky way to do it. But yes, appointed um, positions might be a little easier. <laughs> yes. But it's always good. I mean let's face it people are much less likely to stay in one place forever in this era in this generation and we could have a whole discussion about that and the pros and cons of that and I you know I definitely see the value of longtime service at Bond. But if there is a unique opportunity to go serve in this way, put yourself out there. Give it a try.
0: Yeah I think that's excellent advice. I mean for years people have been doing that by going briefly in-house to clients to help out. And so it's the same concept to do that that with government and learn those issues um, Mm -hmm. that municipalities face. So I think that's excellent advice. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing your experiences. I hope you come back.
1: I'll be back. Kim. Just let me know when.
0: Perfect. All right. Thanks, Kristen.
1: Thank you for tuning into this episode
0: of Legally Bond. If you're listening and have any questions for me, want to hear from someone at the firm or have a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at legallybond at bsk.com. Also, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to Legally Bond, wherever podcasts are downloaded. Until our next talk, be well. Bond Shenick and King has prepared this communication to present only general information. This is not intended as legal advice nor should you consider it as such. You should not act or decline to act based upon the contents. While we try to make sure that the information is complete and accurate, laws can change quickly. You should always formally engage a lawyer of your choosing before taking actions which have legal consequences. For information about our communication, firm, practice areas, and attorneys, visit our website, bsk.com. This is Attorney Advertising. Oh, 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 oh,